In 2021, the movie industry was on the struggle bus and they wanted to get things back together. To do so, they needed us, the quasi-movie-going public, to come back to the theaters so they could pop our popcorn and they could get us to watch whatever movie we chose to enter into. And they began to ask themselves questions as to how to make this work. Who can do this? Who is going to save us in our time of need? Who is our beacon of hope to get people back to the theater? Enter Nicole Kidman. If you have been to the movies in the last two years, this is the first thing that you see on the screen. She says something to this effect. I'm going to read this not in an Australian accent. Guys, I'm going to sound like Crocodile Dundee. I'm not going to do that. We come to this place for magic. We come to AMC theaters to love, to cry, and to care. I come for a break. That's for me. But because we need that, all of us. That's the indescribable feeling you get when lights begin to dim and we go somewhere we've never been before. Not just entertained, but somehow reborn. <laughs> reborn. <laughs> Together. Dazzling images on a huge silver screen sound that I can feel. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Our heroes feel like the best part of us, and the stories feel perfect and powerful because here they are. That lasts anywhere from 15 seconds to 60 seconds, depending upon the movie that you're in. And that short clip cost $25 million to make. Our whole world wants to belong. They pray off of it. We see people leaning in to each and every one of us trying to make us feel belonging, sense belonging. To use belonging to leverage us to do something, to be something, to act in a certain way. Our world has always looked for belonging. We want to belong. We crave it. And we do. We can. Our big idea for not only today, but for the series that we are entering into is basically this. In Christ, we belong. Now that comes with some counterpoints. If you're outside of Christ, you do not belong to him. If you're in Christ, you do. And if we're going to understand just the breakdown of the whole of the book as we walk through it together over the next 10 weeks, we'll notice something taking place. That there is the idea of belonging to God. That in Christ, we belong to God. And in Christ, we belong to one another for God's sake. We definitely don't belong to one another for our own sakes. We can leave each other in the in the rear view very quickly. But because of Christ, every one of us who placed our faith in the broken body and the shed blood of His Son, we are bound to one another for the sake of God. I mean, open your Bibles with me. First John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Hear me. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes... 
what we have observed and we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That life, that life was revealed and we have seen it. And we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you. So that you may also have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. In Christ, we have belong. In these verses, John gives us everything. Everything. The totality, the whole of what we need for the Christian life can be found in these verses. That in Christ we can belong to God and because of Christ we do belong to one another as believers. In Christ there is belonging for those who, who need it. Those who are outside of Him. And John lets us know that we can have confidence in that truth where we have placed our faith. That those who have come to know the truth will live that truth out. And he speaks about it throughout the book in terms of love. This is not out of duty but out of delight. This is, this is the joy that God has given to His people. One commentator said about this particular portion of text, Observe the notes of wonder in the apostles' language. Speech seems to fail him. He labors for expression, adding definition on top of definition. When you read through 1 John 1, 1 through 4, though we see it in... Uh, in a certain way, in the way that's laid out in our text, that's just one sentence in the original language. John was what the kids call wordy. He uses these words to, to draw us in. He uses these words to show us who God is and who we can be in the person of Jesus Christ as we are in relationship with God. Well, what's taking place? Who is this John? Contrary to what took place earlier, based on the sheet of paper that I handed Jen, uh, John did not write those verses. Uh, and, uh, rather, Paul did not write those verses. The Apostle John wrote those verses from John chapter 1. He wrote those when he was younger, a young man. History teaches us that John, that John, the same, the same John who loved Jesus and who Jesus loved, the same John who outran Peter to the empty tomb, making sure to let us know of that with a note. This John writes this book to us years later. He's the youngest of the twelve disciples. But here, he writes, he, he did not only write the Gospel of John, he wrote 1 John through 3 John. He also wrote the book of Revelation. We, know, we can see that in the text. And as he writes these things to us, he's letting us know the love that God has for his people and the love that we can have because of what Christ has done for one another. We're seeing that throughout the text. We're seeing God show us who we should be because of who God, what God has done for us in Jesus. He is in this older situation. When I was in seminary, one of my professors would brag about this cassette collection that he had. Kids, I cannot really explain to you what a cassette is because to do so, I'd have to explain a CD. And I really don't know how to get there. Just imagine, imagine it this way. Tapes, what records begat tapes, and tapes begat CDs, and CDs begat Spotify. Does that work? That works. That works. So when he had this collection of tapes, and they were of J.R.R. Tolkien, 
reading the Lord of the Rings when he was in his 80s. And you can find these online. You can actually watch them on YouTube now, thankfully, to Mr. YouTube. And you can hear old Tolkien reading as he rocks back and forth in his chair about everything that you will learn in this world that he has created. Reading for his grandchildren, reading for people who will love this story years and years later. Reading as an old man. That's where John is in this passage. He's no longer young John that outruns people. He's now older John with aches and pains. He's sitting in a chair, many believe, as the church gathers around him to hear the story of Jesus. And he's telling the story. He's telling us the story of this man who he loved, who he got to see and spend time with. He's telling us the story of a man who he watched be crucified. John, the only one who was at the foot of the cross when Jesus said, take care of my mother. This is the story of a senior adult who has survived people trying to kill him. And the way that he starts is, what was from the beginning? John writes this to us to let us know what's taking place and who has made those things to take place. And as he sits in this chair reading, and, or rather, as he sits in this chair teaching to the church at Ephesus, he starts with the word beginning. That's a strange word if you think about it, the word beginning. Do this for me as a faith family exercise this morning. If you can, go back in your... Just close your eyes. Don't go to sleep. I know you. Close your eyes. Someone will wake you up walking around the room eventually. Close your eyes. Close your eyes tightly. And go back to your very first memory. For some of you, this will be a longer process than others. For some of us, rather. When you get to your very first memory, open your eyes and raise your hand. Now I want you to go further. You can't. Someone has to tell you that story. If I could get you to go further, I'd go back and back and back. This is such a loaded word, beginning. John says, at the very beginning of everything, before there was a was. There are three references in the Bible to this word beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and earth. In John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here we see the Apostle John, old John, rocking chair John, drawing our attention to Jesus. And here's what he will say about Jesus. What we have heard and what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and touched with our hands concerning the Word of life, that's him. He is taking us to Jesus. Fully God, fully man. Sproul expresses it this way. He is truly God and truly man. He is the Word made flesh who offers life to all who believe. 
What we have heard and what we have seen, what we have observed, what we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. At this point in history, Gnosticism, this thing has crept into the church. It's the belief that the physical and the spiritual should be dot, dot, divided. The strain of Gnosticism that John, maybe you're like, the strain of Gnosticism John deals with claims Jesus only appeared to have a physical, or, uh, that Jesus did not have an actual physical body. And they would ask this question of themselves in regard to this. They would say that Jesus simply showed up spiritually and he manifested himself as a, as a physical being, but he was not that. And the reason they would say this was, they would ask this question, how can a holy God clothe himself with nasty flesh? And with expedition, John comes for that terrible train of thought. And he comes for that train of thought with this, I saw it. I observed it. We touched it. We saw him. We observed him. We interacted with him. We touched him. We, it throws us back to when Thomas says, you know, I, I doubt a lot of things and unless I can touch his side and touch the holes in his hands, I won't believe. You can imagine Thomas saying that and every other disciple coming around to do the exact same thing in the way that when a kid gets something new, the friends want them to pass it around. I want to see and touch the hole in his side to touch the pierced hands of Jesus. John says, I saw him, I know him, I've interacted with him. This wasn't something fake, this is someone real. In the words of Buddy the Elf, I know him. <laughs> Keller says this, assurance is not just knowing Christ, it's knowing that you know him. And John is saying to this church, and he's saying to every one of us, not only did I know him, I know that I know him. This life, that was revealed, verse 2. We have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was the Father and was revealed to us. We have seen it. We have gazed upon it. If we go back to the aforementioned movie after Nicole gets us through the credits, there are a few fun rules that are going to pop up. No talking. No texting. As a matter of fact, put your phone away. I do think there needs to be an exemption in kids' movies. I got shushed one time by some grouchy old person trying to meticulously follow the story of Brave. <laughs> Gaze is a dramatic theater term, not a movie per se, but a stage term. It's where you focus your eyes, where you're looking. And John says, look, what you think you're seeing that's symbolic... I saw in the flesh. That's a real person. What we have seen, what we have heard, what we also declare to you, that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship's doing a little work there, and we need to take that apart and be careful with it. Because as I look around this space, most of us, or many of us, maybe not all of us, have some type of church tradition, and you may even have church baggage with a word like fellowship. Because more often than not, the only way that we understand fellowship is with a hall. I grew up in a church where we had a fellowship hall, where for whatever reason, I was made to eat things that I would have never eaten. This is a salad. Is it really? There is more mayonnaise in there than anything else. I'm very anti-mayonnaise historically. I can look at this and you see the word fellowship and we begin to think of things like that. 
Where after church we get together and we have potluck. Where someone brings their favorite dish and I bring my favorite dish, which is a Coca-Cola. Two liters. The word in the Scriptures is not quite that. It's the word really for partnership. We are partnered together in what God is doing to the ends of the earth. John says that we have partnership, that, that you may also have fellowship or have partnership with us. We're united together, brought together, that we have a singular goal together. So when you see that in line of what we see in verse 2, this life was revealed, we've seen it, we testify, we declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We have a partnership with that. What God has been doing since before we could understand what beginning was, that's what we are partnered with. What God did in the flesh, incarnationally, in the person of Jesus, His literal broken body, His literal shed blood, His act, actual resurrection. We have partnership with that. What we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have partnership with us. He's inviting us, those who did not literally see the physical body of Jesus, those of us who did not see the resurrection of Jesus, to see that because of all that Christ has done, has done, we are partnered with the literal, physical death and resurrection of Jesus. We are united with the church historically. We are brought together with what God was doing in Jerusalem and Galilee. We are brought together with what God was doing as Paul wrote letters to the edges of the edges of the world. We are brought together with that. That's where we've been invited. That's what we've been made part of. And he wants us to know that that fellowship is with God the Father and, and Jesus the Son. Church family, we are... We have been made part of something that is bigger. That's bigger than us. If we look at the Christian faith, and there is no resurrection, and there is no crucifixion, and all that we're seeking to do is belong to something, there are other things that would benefit you more. There are places where you can go and learn to cook. There are places that will make you exercise. There are places that are, are, as I used the word earlier, leveraging the idea of community to advance things that may even be good in this world. There are clubs, there are teams, there are numerous things for you to be part of. And if the death and resurrection of Jesus are not true then I would tell you that those things are more important than this. Because even though we're in John, if there is no death and resurrection, to take words from the Apostle Paul, this is kind of dumb. It's foolishness. And if the reason that we're even in a space like this is because that we can have community, that we're not really sure as to why we have that community, there's foolishness to it. If for those of us who are believers in this room, we are brought together around the broken body and shed blood of our Lord Jesus, and that is what holds us together, and that is what moves us forward. We're united together by all that God has done. 
different things with us as a congregation about what God has been doing in and through this particular iteration of the family of God. I want you to hear this. If you were here last Sunday, you were, we told you there was a meeting Monday night. We've been announcing it for a few weeks where we were going to walk through our financial stuff. And lots of you guys showed up and lots of you guys didn't and that's okay. So I'm going to give you a snapshot of the snapshot, which I think is called a snap snapshot somewhere, maybe Urban Dictionary. Since January of 2022, as a congregation... That's, uh, if you're unfamiliar with church speak congregation, that means the people who belong to Grace Bible. We have paid off $174,000 in debt. And by debt, I mean we have paid off the facility that we have. Paid, paid toward the facility that we have. Am I right, Jerry? We can shake our head and agree. Tim, we're good with that. I'm going to look to people who know numbers better than me just to get a head shake. $174,000 in debt. We have set up an emergency fund that's in place in the event that something weird happens. I don't know what that weird thing can be, but in the event something weird happens, we have an emergency fund that would take care of us for just a little while. We currently owe, hear this number, $192,000 on this facility. So, in the last less than two years, we have paid off almost what we owe right now. That's pretty great. That's really great. Don't clap for me. I was at a kid's dance last night. I might break it down up here. <laughs> With that in mind, in the next week or so, there is a plan to make yet another large payment of $25,000. Which will bring us, no mathematician, I promise. That will put us at $167,000 that we owe on this facility. Now, here's what you need to know. We plan as a church to keep our focus on the great mission that God has given us. He's laid out for those of us who are in fellowship with Him as part of this church to both our area and around the world. So the re what I'm saying is when the elders look at the budget, we decided to, for the most part, roll things over with some minor exceptions and keep the same budget. Last year, we brought in $100,000 in excess of our budget because you are really good people who are leaning into the partnership that God has given us as a faith family. That's a good thing. And I, Look, we can clap for paying off debt. If I could clap for you, that'd be weird, but I will. The question was asked, where would you like to be on the building by the end of 2024? The answer is zero. Like a Coke. Like a Coke zero. We want nothing. I believe that we can do that. The elders have, have planned to continue to double our payment each month with based upon the giving that you already have been budgeting for and thinking through, and we're grateful for that. We rolled the budget over in large part because we can finish paying this facility off in the short term. We really do believe that we can have greater kingdom influence in the long term. 
We can nickel and dime things right now, or we can lean in and knock this out. If the math is correct, if every family, this was given to me mathematically, if the math is correct, if every family were to add $167 to what they currently give to our church, we're paid off by the end of 2024. That's less than $42 a week. I would tell you how much that is a day, but if you're giving to the church daily, that's, a, that's something weird. And don't do that. That's very confusing to all of us. So, hear what I'm not saying. No one's, we're not leaning in and making you do any of this stuff. Jared's not going to show up with a mallet at your house. I'm, I'm not going to call and talk mean or gruff. So if you're not giving or you're in a financial place where that's a struggle for you, you keep being part of what God is doing here because we love you. We love you. But for those of us who have the resources to look at our lives and say, let's just knock this out. Let's just knock it out. Because we're a partnership together. And I really do believe that we can have greater kingdom influence to the ends of the earth and to our community when the, what we owe on the debt is, not, is, is gone. That's just math, people. And you're better at math than I am. I know the spreadsheets you live in. <laughs> so when we read John talking about fellowship, I don't want to forget that we're part of that. And that every church in the history of history has had to look at stuff like that and think about it. And it, some people like Pastor Chad, not that anybody ever calls me Pastor Chad, but if you were to call me Chad, I don't really like when you talk about numbers. The problem is there's a book of a Bible called Numbers. <laughs> and I'm going to preach through it, Lord willing, eventually, and that's going to be super weird. <laughs> we're in this together. So let's do it. Let's do it. I ain't done. Verse 4. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. There's a misconception about the Christian faith that even some Christians get caught up in. A lot of people believe that Christianity and really the Bible is a bunch of do's and don'ts. The whole book of 1 John undoes that. To understand anything about the Christian faith, we have to understand it through the lens not of do and don't. We understand Christianity through the lens of done. What has God done? God sent His Son to take my sin upon Himself so that I could take his life upon me. Done. And everything that we do as a follower of Jesus in regard to actions is a response. It's really a reaction to what Christ has done in our place. We're writing these things. You have this, know this, so that your joy may be complete. G.K. Chesterton says this, that joy is the, is the gigantic secret of Christianity. And Billy Sunday, the evangelist from years ago, 
said, if you don't have joy, there is a leak in your Christianity. <laughs> As a family, we belong to Christ. We do. If you're a believer in Jesus and you have a relationship with Christ through what he has done for you on the cross, not your done, but his done, you belong to him. You're his, he's yours. On top of that, and because of that, we belong to one another. So think about it this way. In Christ, we have community with God and we have community with one another. We have connection with God and connection with one another. We have communion with God and communion with one another. But because we have to look at this in the reverse, if you, do not, if you are not in Christ, you have never placed your trust in Christ, you are alone and apart from Him. You have no connection to God and you, have, you are not able to commune with Him. For us as believers, would we see that we celebrate that weekly when we sing? Weekly, when we open the Scriptures. Weekly, when we declare the truths of God's Word. Weekly, when we take of the cup and of the bread. Weekly, as believers, we are saying that we are connected to God through the broken body and shed blood of His Son. Weekly, we are saying that we have community with God and with one another through the broken body and shed blood of His Son. Weekly, because of the person of Jesus Christ, we can commune with God and we can commune with one another. So here's what we do. As a faith family... In alignment with what we believe the Scripture teaches, we take communion regularly. If you're not a believer in this space, just don't take communion. I've got something better for you at the back. I'd love to talk to you about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. But if you're a believer in Jesus, we are going to take of communion together. Celebrating our connection to one another and our connection to God. Celebrating our community with one another and our community with God. Celebrating our communion with one another and our communion with God. If you come to take a, at the table, let me encourage you before you get there. If you got somebody in the room you're mad at, go tell them. Don't lead with, I'm mad at you. But work through the differences that we have in our souls. Because our communion... And our community and our connection with one another because of Jesus. It's more important than any silly tension you may have. Work through whatever you got to work through. Father, we trust you. If there are lost people in this room, I just pray you find them. That you would save them today. God, we do. We celebrate all of the good that you've done in and through this body in regard to resources. We celebrate that. But more important, we celebrate that our death was put to death. That our life was restored and made new that the broken were made whole, the lost were found. And we have communion and community, connection with you and with one another because of what Christ has done in our place. We ask all this in your name, Lord Jesus, and all of my Grace Bible friends, stand with me and you say, Amen. Amen.